This is another message brought to you by the Remodel Church. Isaiah 40, verse 21. Now, I like a little crowd participation. <laughs> Amen. And I was instructed this morning that, that if I say, when I raise my hand, you're going to do what? Amen. Amen. Sister Frankie gave me this little um, uh, uh, heads up, you know. She told me this is Pastor EJ's secret. So, so if I raise my hand, I need a... Amen. Amen. Can we practice that? Oh, yeah, praise God. You guys are good. All right. Isaiah 40, verse 21. And it, okay, I just thought I lost it here. Anyway, it says, Isaiah 40, 21. Listen to what it says. It says, do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been declared to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is He, speaking of God, it is He who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. He it is who reduces rulers to nothing, who makes the judges of the earth meaningless. Scarcely have they been planted, scarcely have they been sown, scarcely has their stock taken root in the earth. But he merely blows them and they wither and the storm carries them away like stubble. To whom then will you liken me? God is speaking here. And God says, to whom then will you liken me? That I would be his equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these stars. The one who leads forth their host by number. He calls them all by name. Because of the greatness of his might and the strength of his power, not one of them is missing. Wow. Now what Isaiah just did right here in in these six verses is described just a little bit of the immensity and the magnitude of God Himself. And it's not that we could really fully comprehend. Uh, We probably, I don't even think we can uh, barely begin to comprehend the greatness of our God. But in these verses, God, the creator of the universe... He, the majestic one, is emphasized. And and Isaiah describes God's power, His ability to be able to create, His provision to sustain, and His presence to help from His sovereign position in heaven. God watches over His created universe. Now, we were singing some songs here a few minutes ago, and I was just excited because... We're talking about the magnitude and the majesty of God. And he says, nothing, no one can be compared with our transcendent, immense, eternal God. God is almighty. He's all-powerful. But even being as great as He is, you know what? He is all-personal. He cares for us personally. Now, I don't know about you, but that just, that, that, that does something to me. 
the God that created the heavens and the earth, who rules the universe and holds it in the palm of His hand, and yet He still takes interest in a young boy from northern Arkansas who couldn't speak English to save his life as a kid. Who had a major speech impediment such that his own family could not understand him. And went through speech therapy for years to learn to speak English. And yet God takes that same boy in his 20s and moves him to Mexico and teaches him Spanish. That's amazing. And to God be all glory. It's the sovereign God of the universe. That's how much He cares about you. Now I want to give us three points right here. And I'm just going to tell you what they are. Number one, we're going to talk about the God of creation. Number two, we're going to talk about the nothingness of man. And number three, the in-control God. Our God is in control. But let's start out here talking about the God of creation. Looking at verse 21. Look what Isaiah says here. He asks four questions. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been declared to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? Now, the the news of God's sovereign power is not new. I mean, that's, uh, I mean, all you have to do is look outside and you can see the majesty and the magnificence of God. I love driving through the state of Arkansas, especially the, the western half of the state. I mean, I know sometimes we don't like driving Highway 71. It's a two-lane road and lots of curves, and you get behind a slow truck, and you can't get around him for miles. But you know what makes it worth the while? is the beauty of the creation that surrounds us down here in this area. We have beautiful mountains, streams, lakes, trees. I mean, this is really one of the most beautiful areas of the United States of America. One of the most beautiful areas of the world. We have been blessed. And so even, even though sometimes I might get behind somebody, a slow driver, and I can't get around, I just say, Lord, help me to remember and enjoy the drive, the scenery. He's amazing. It's, it's amazing what God has done. It's, you know, so God, I mean, what He's done is not new. I mean, it's been evident from day one. As scientists, as they look out on the universe, they're going, and, and, and they want to reduce it down to, to happenstance, to an accident. There's no way in the world. Now, God's existence and amazing power has been manifest from the beginning. Since the foundation of the cosmos itself, because this inanimate cosmos would not be responsible, would not exist, would not have the grandeur, the, 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 the beauty that it has, if it were not for God Almighty... Isaiah basically says, God is the unmovable mover who causes all creation to exist and to come into existence. Now look at verse 22. He's not just the creator. 
he is also the governor. Verse 22, it says, he is, it is he who sits on above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. Now, 2,200 years, 2,200 years before Columbus sailed the ocean blue, God said our planet was a circle. Isn't that amazing? In the 1400s, the 1200s, they were saying the earth is flat. And, you know, if we, if we sail very far, we'll fall off the edge of the earth. But God, through His mighty majesty, He gives to Isaiah the revelation that the earth is round. Here it is in God's Word all along. It is proven. The earth is round. And science acts like it is superior to the Word of God. But I like God's explanation a whole lot better. Because you know what? Science is only right part of the time. But God is right all the time. You can trust the Word of God. Because what God says, it is. If God said it, somebody said, if God says it, that settles it. You know, God says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my, my word will never pass away. The word of God is true. The word of God is sure. The word of God is a solid foundation. And God declared, he said, man, I'm just telling you, the earth is round. It took us a little while to figure that out. If we would just trust God. Now, if you feel small, when you imagine God's creation, you know what the truth is? You really are. And you go, man, Ted, you're not really helping my self-esteem right now. Hang on. Hang on. We're going to get somewhere with this. But God, God says we're like grasshoppers. Now, I don't know about you, but I love to barbecue. I love to cook out on the grill. And right now that summertime is coming in, spring and summer, I, we cook out a lot just so we don't have to heat up the kitchen. Man, I'll put the grill out on the deck and we'll go out and cook up some hamburgers one night. We'll cook up some steaks another night. Brother Troy saying, when are you going to invite me? <laughs> and a couple of years ago, it took me several years to do it. I'm, I, I don't, sometimes I don't get my projects done as fast as I'd like, but several years ago I started on a project to build a new deck on the back of my house. Finally, last year, I got the deck done. The only problem is I don't have the steps leading up to the deck. <laughs> I've got the deck, I just don't have the steps. Thankfully, you can access the deck from the house, from the back door of the house. But we built this deck on the back of our house, 12 foot wide, 48 feet long, because I wanted a big deck. And our house sits on a hill and it slopes to the back and we got all these trees in our backyard. And there is nothing greater in the summertime to sit out there in the deck in the cool of the evening and just enjoying a nice meal with the family and friends. But you know what? Many times we're out there on the deck and I can hear these little critters out there chirping. Grasshoppers and crickets. But I got to tell you, how much, when you're out there grilling burgers and steaks... How, many, how, mu how much does that affect you that there's grasshoppers out there in the yard chirping? Does that interrupt your meal? 
I don't let it interrupt my meal. Usually, usually they're not up on the deck. Usually they stay away from you. I mean, we, don't, we haven't had a swarm yet. Hopefully that doesn't happen. But, uh, you know, I just enjoy the, I enjoy the scenery and I'm listening to the grasshoppers chirp and the crickets, you know, out there singing and the frogs, the tree frogs. That's when it starts getting dark. And just enjoy nature. But you look at that and you think one little grasshopper, if he jumps on the deck, you don't think anything about it. He is insignificant. It doesn't interrupt your meal. It's not a catastrophe because it's just a small little grasshopper. Well, you imagine we're sitting there listening to the noise of the grasshoppers. That's kind of how God sees us. He's there in the heavens. And the noise we make really doesn't upset God. He kind of listens to us and he thinks, wow. I think sometimes he just listens and enjoys the sound when we're singing. And when we're complaining, I think he's going, if they just understood what I'm trying to do for them. But God is just, we're, we're seeing the immensity of God, how big he is. Now, verse 22 continues, and it says, uh, it continues to declare that the heavens are God's handiwork. God who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. Now, the word heaven here describes God's universe. In the beginning, God says, let us make the universe. God says, let us make the stars, the sun, the moon, and poof. When God spoke in an instant, it existed. Just like in an instant, you go outside and you pop open the umbrella. It's there. That's how our universe was created. God spoke and it happened. But I, want us to take us, I, want us, I want us to do something for just a couple of minutes. Do you have any idea how large this universe is that we live in? Several years ago, I began to think about the immensity of our universe. Does anybody know the distance between the earth and the sun? Now, if we were traveling at the speed of light, if we were traveling at the speed of light, which is 300,000 kilometers per second, 118,000 miles per second, if we were traveling at the speed of light, we jumped in a rocket, put on our seatbelt, and we we're going to travel at the speed of light from Earth to the moon, it would be, we're there. 1.3 seconds, we would be in the moon, at the moon, traveling at the speed of light. 118,000 miles. But to travel from the Earth to the sun would take us hours, traveling at the speed of light. Trying to find, there it is. The distance from the earth to the moon is 93 million miles. 93 million miles. Now that's, that's amazing. I can't even fathom that. I can't even picture what that really is. It would take days Literally, traveling at the speed of light to get from the earth to the moon, or to the sun, excuse me. 93 million miles. Now, I want you to imagine just for a second the thickness of this paper. Now, I don't know how thick that is, but it's not very thick. 
But imagine that the thickness of this paper is 93 million miles. This paper is 93 million miles thick. The next closest star to the Earth. The sun is technically a star, but the next closest star to the Earth. To travel to the closest star after the sun would be a stack of papers. Remember, each sheet of paper is 93 million miles thick. It would be a stack of paper 71 feet tall. Now, I don't know. I have not measured the thickness of the paper, so I don't know how many pieces of paper are in a foot or even in an inch. But that's a lot of paper. But then you've got to multiply all that by the 93 million miles that each one represents. Now, we're going to go a little farther. So the nearest star is a stack of paper 71 feet high. Every single piece of paper represents 93 million miles. Now, stay with me because this is getting big. Now, the size of our galaxy, we live in a galaxy called the Milky Way. The galaxy, Milky Way, would be represented by a stack of paper 310 miles high. Not 310 feet, 310 miles high. And remember, every single piece of paper in that 310 miles is 93,000 miles. That's the distance to the edge of our galaxy. Now, 310 miles is the distance from Chicago, uh, from Chicago to St. Louis. But figure every stack laying paper stack, standing up side by side from Chicago to, uh, to St. Louis. That's the size of our galaxy, 93 million miles, every piece of paper. That's just our galaxy. And our galaxy, the Milky Way solo, so I'm going to Spanish, sorry about that, is only one galaxy among millions of galaxies. Now, think about this. We know of millions of galaxies that are around the Milky Way. And so with the space that scientists has been able to capture with the telescopes and with technology, the edge of space that we've been able to see to would be a stack of paper. Remember, every single piece of paper represents 93 million miles. It's a stack of papers 31 million miles high. That's how many galaxies far away we've been able to see. Wow. That's phenomenal. And Isaiah is describing, he's saying, have you not heard? Have you not understood? He is the one who reigns. He's the one who establishes kings. He's the one that takes away kings. Every description we see of God's reality, we, we just begin to understand that even God is greater than that. A stack of paper, 331 million miles high, every single paper represents 93 million miles. We're going, that's just immense. And our God is even bigger than that. That's the size of our God. He established the foundations of the earth. He created your life. He gave you purpose. Now, that's the immensity of God. Number two, the, the nothingness of man. You go, wow, that makes me really small. I'm a flea in the ocean. Technically, yes. 
Verse 24 says, Scarcely have they been planted. It is he who reduces the rulers to nothing, who makes the judges of the earth meaningless. Scarcely they have been planted. Scarcely they have been sown. Scarcely they have take their, has their stock been taken root in the earth. He, is, he merely blows on them and they wither and the storm carries them away like stubble. So many times man thinks he is something. But when we begin to recognize how big God is, we realize we're really not a whole lot. We're not as important as we think we are. Man himself is temporary. Whatever we do does not affect who God is. Kind of puts things in comparison, in perspective. But I want to—I don't want us to stay there. I do want us to see really how small we are in comparison to God, how great God is. But the reason is because I want us to understand the, the immensity, the magnificence, the majesty, the power of God. Because it does not matter what you are going through. As Sister Tina shared this morning, it does not matter what's happening in your life. And I know There's things that happen in our life and it shakes us to the core. It shakes every fiber in our being. And and sometimes we feel like we cannot go on. It turns our world upside down. I don't know what's happened in your life. I can't imagine the tragedy that some of you may have experienced. Oh, but when we can get a hold of how big God is is. It helps put those things in perspective. I will come through because my God will not let me fail. He will not let me fall. He who sustains the heavens and the earth. He who holds the earth in orbit and causes it to spin. He that keeps everything in order. He also will take care of me. His child created in His image and His likeness. You are a child of God. And you are important to Him. Number three. That's a little bit different message for me. But I really feel like this is where I need to go today. The in-control God. Verse 25. Bids us again to make a comparison. And it says, To whom then will you liken me that I should be His equal? Says the Holy One. Holy One. The holiness of God. Have you ever thought about the holiness of God? Isaiah had an encounter with the holiness of God in Isaiah 6. Now here is the prophet of the nation of Israel. And it says in, the, in, in Isaiah 6, 1, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and His train filled the temple. And he began to experience the majesty of the holiness and the purity of God. And all of a sudden, Isaiah begins to respond before the holiness of the presence of God. And he begins to say, Oh, Lord, have mercy on me, for I'm a man who dwell among a people of unclean lips, and I have unclean lips. And God takes a coal, or he sends one of the, 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 the seraphims who takes a coal off the altar and places the hot coal upon his lips. Can you imagine the excruciating pain of a hot coal on your lips? And somebody would say, why would God be so cruel? That wasn't the cruelty of God. That was the mercy of God. 
And you see that in the response of Isaiah. Instead of going, oh God, why did you do that to me? Don't you know that hurts? God says, who will go for us? Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah, with a heart of compassion and gratitude and thanksgiving, he says, and out of crusted lips, burnt lips, he says, God, hear my sin me. Because he realized God could have consumed him. God did not consume him. God just purified. You know, why, and you're saying, but this is a man of God. He's saying, I'm, 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 I'm unholy. I'm, I'm unpure. Well, we all are in comparison to the holiness and the purity of God. But that doesn't disqualify us. God says, I will take you. I will use you. I will cleanse you. I will put my anointing upon you. I will uh, purify you. And I will send you forth as, 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 as warriors for my kingdom, for my glory. And you shall declare the goodness of God. And Isaiah responds with gratitude and says, Lord, here am I. I'll go. I'll do it. Verse 26, Isaiah, we find God also controls the stars. He says, lift up your eyes high on and see who has created these stars. The one who leads forth their host by number. He calls them by name. You know, it's kind of popular right now. Everybody, they send $50 to some organization and they send you a certificate and name this star or whatever you want to call it. What they don't realize is the stars already have names. God's got names for every one of them. It's amazing. It's amazing. Night by night, God brings out the star-studded constellations that He created. People want to come out and worship the stars, the array of stars and the zodiac signs and constellations when they really should be worshiping Him that place the stars there sometimes we misdirect our admiration several years ago a guy named George Will in the commencement address at the University of Miami he did this he said this he's talking to the graduates from Miami University and he says the sun around which the earth orbits is perhaps one of over four billion stars just in our galaxy, the Milky Way. The sun is one of more than four billion stars in the Milky Way, our galaxy. And he said, and that doesn't have anything to do with the other galaxies next door. He said, now there's perhaps over 40 billion galaxies in this still unfolding universe. And he said, and if all the stars in our galaxy and the other 40 billion galaxies, if every star was the size of the head of a pin, and we put every star in the Miami Orange Bowl, he said the Orange Bowl would be overflowing more than 3 billion times just with the head of a pen. That's just, that's immense. It's hard to even imagine those kind of numbers. But that gives us the idea of how great God is. 
That is the God who's in control, not just of the universe. When we think our life is out of control, let me assure you, let the word of God assure you, God is still in control. God still is on your side. He is still working on your behalf. He has not forgotten you. And that's what that's where we want to go with this. God, who is the creator of all, all, all of the universe. God, who is bigger than anything we can even imagine. But it's the same God who loved you with an eternal love such that he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross for you. We start describing the immensity of God and it sounds very impersonal. But I got to tell you, this God who is so great is not impersonal. He's not distance. He is just as close as the mention of His name. Jesus. Jesus. He is interested in you. He cares about you. Wow. So much more I want to say. But let me just jump down to the end of this chapter. The last verse of this chapter, Isaiah 31, says this. Yet those who wait upon the Lord, those who wait upon the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. We've written songs about this verse. Teach me, Lord. Teach me, Lord, to wait. The conclusion that Isaiah comes to, when you look at the immensity of God, he says, but those that wait upon the Lord, that word wait, now we don't like to wait. I know some of you are waiting for the preacher to get done so we can go to lunch. I understand. In this world of instant hurry up, we don't like to wait. We pull up the stoplight, and if the stoplight goes over a minute, we're getting antsy. (laughs) Amen. I know. I'm right there. I mean, the light barely turns green, and we're already honking at the car in front of us. And God says, if we can wait. Now, that word wait doesn't mean just to set their idol. It really means To place your trust and confidence in. In other words, those that trust in the Lord. Those that have an expectation of the Lord. That's those that are waiting. Those that have an expectation. Those that have understood who God is. How how great He is. How large He is. How immense He is. How majestic He is. How powerful He is. Oh, we can say, Lord, I'm going through this situation. I'm going through this crisis. I'm going through this difficulty. This problem. I need a miracle. But I know in whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that He is able to keep that which I have committed unto Him against that day. In other words, I can trust you, God. Because... Because you who have not let any star fall, you who keeps the earth in orbit, I know you will keep my life and sustain me. And I can trust in you because your word is true. Your word is sure. Your word is truth. Your word does not fail. 
Now, eagles are different than any other bird in many respects, especially in the way they fly. Some birds... Have you ever watched an eagle fly or an eagle soar? Now, give me just five minutes because we're finishing right here. It's majestic. There's nothing... I don't think there's anything more majestic than watching an eagle just soar over the horizon. They fly. The way they fly is very different than the way other birds fly. Some birds have to constantly flap their wings to stay afloat. You ever watch the hummingbird? I mean, it's just like... I mean, you, you can't even imagine it. You, you put it in slow motion. It's amazing. But if they stop flapping, what's going to happen? They're sinking real fast. An eagle does not have to flap frantically to stay afloat. God is saying, learn to trust in me. Learn to rest in my presence. I will hold you up. And it's amazing. Uh, That little hummingbird can flap all he wants. He's not going to get very high off the ground. He does, his, his maximum altitude is not very high. But an eagle, he soars to the highest heights. Sometimes they say eagles can reach up to 10,000 feet altitude. That's almost two miles high in the sky. But that eagle doesn't get there by doing this and going crazy and frantically beating its wings. He learns to fly, taking advantage of what we call lift. He extends his wings and spreads his feathers and he allows the movements of the air, the thermals, to take hold of him and it just lifts him up. And every time he finds another thermal, that thermal just lifts him a little higher. And he just begins to soar gracefully over the storm clouds, over the the, 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 the uh, tumultuous winds. And he can soar above the, uh, the, the, the storms because he has learned to be, uh, to, to take advantage of the lift provided by the thermals. God is saying the same thing. Children, trust in me. Spread your wings. I, through my holy presence, will provide the lift. I will cause you to rise. I will cause you to, uh, to fly above the storms. Even though the storm continues to happen, you will sail with my presence. Those that wait upon the Lord, trust in the Lord, will mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Wow. I understand that to mean that there's going to be times in our, in our Christian walk where it's like a sprint. We're running. It's like when you're a brand new Christian, you know, you're just absorbing everything. And and growth, it comes, I mean, it's like an immense growth in the first six months of a brand new Christian. You know, there's nothing more exciting than a baby Christian. Because they're absorbing everything. Oh man, they're asking all kinds of questions. Oh, well, tell me about this. What does this mean? I read this verse in the Bible the other day. I don't know what that means. Explain it to me. And they're absorbing. They're like a sponge. And, and, And the growth in them is just dynamic. But for some of us, you know, we've been Christians for a long time. And it may feel like we're plotting. It may feel like we're not really growing. But you know what? I think it's, it's not so much about the speed. It's more about the direction. In other words, God's saying it's not so important that you run or if you're walking. 
it's important that you're moving forward. You're advancing. There will be moments when God gives us revelation and it will cause a growth spurt in us. There will be other times where we just keep putting one foot in front of the other. But as long as we're moving forward, we're advancing for the kingdom of God. And I say all of that to come down to this. God is interested in you. The God of the universe loves you. The God of the universe is looking out for you. He's not going to let you fall. Sometimes we have this unrealistic expectation that we should go up and up and up and up and up and we should keep getting higher and higher and higher. But let me ask you, where is the eagle's food at? His food is on the ground. So what does that mean? Sometimes we've got to soar high and other times we've got to come down. But that doesn't mean we've lost our salvation. It means we're learning to walk with God as long as we keep moving forward. God will see you through this battle. God will give you victory in this situation. The same God that names every star in the universe has already determined the outcome, the victory, the blessing for your life. This is the end of the message. For more information, please visit theremodelchurch.com. Thank you.